So I'm joined now by Dr. Keith Newby in this area, an esteemed cardiologist, the founder of the Fort Norfolk Medical Plaza there in Norfolk. And it's an important conversation. COVID is far from over. Um, and you mentioned something that is interesting, right? This long COVID piece is something I heard about near the start of the pandemic, but you're saying that it's, it's still a thing. What are people experiencing with COVID now? So essentially what we're running into is, you know, typically COVID is a short-term process. You, know, you, you get infected, you feel like crap for a while, you know, a week or two later is gone, recovered, get back to work, your life, whatever. There are, there's a group of people and probably about at least 15 to 30 percent, depending on the numbers you look at, are experiencing something called long COVID, which is where they're they have the infection, but the symptoms don't really go away and they can last. I mean, right now I've had people a year out that's still having effects from COVID. We're seeing like memory loss, so they call it brain fog. They have, uh, and I get a lot of referrals for palpitations, chest pain, shortness of breath, where they're thinking there's a cardiac manifestation, uh, you know, shortness of breath, which is another long-term problem, GI issues, people are developing diabetes that didn't have it before from COVID. Uh, you know, you're running into muscle problems where they're weak, tired, can't function. You know, so we're seeing a, a ton of that, more so than I like to see. Uh, and, and it's called long COVID. Now, again, the numbers of terrible- Just really quickly, if I could, Dr. Newby, I just want to ask, is long COVID associated with any particular variant of COVID or has it been kind of stable across each it's variant? Been, it's been stable across. I mean, we, there's no data that supports one versus the other. Uh, I have not seen as, personally, I've not seen as much with the Omicron, but I, I was on a, another interview last night where one of the participants uh, developed COVID in December. And it looked like she had the Omicron variant. And she, that was in December. She's still having problems now. And this is a young lady who used to hike, you know, run, bike, and she can't do any of that now. She says, when I try to go out and ride my bike, she says, I'm five minutes, I'm done. You know, so these things are, that's why I kind of tell people, don't believe the hype. You know, people out there, maskless, like nothing's going on now. And you can do that if you want to. You know, I mean, who's telling you not to do that? But if you ask my advice, you know, you want to still protect yourself. There's still a ton of unvaccinated people out here who are walking around thinking everything is, is, is fine or they've had COVID and they feel like they don't they don't have to worry about it. I had a lady who has had COVID three times in the mm. last two years. She had it when it first came out last year and she got the Omicron variant in, in uh, January. So, you know, it's three strikes and she's having trouble right now still behind COVID-19. So now I want to ask more questions. I want to ask about first the variants, right? Yeah. When I'm undergoing a COVID test, I mean, I've been tested for COVID four times. Thankfully, uh -huh. I was negative every time I tested, but I didn't see where there could have been an indication on any of these tests as to which variant of COVID that I had. Yeah. Where do I go if I want to be tested and get that information? Well, you may have to go really specific because they have to actually do PCRs and have to be specific to that particular variant you're looking for. You may want to check in with the hospital system. Some of the okay. 
urgent right. cares are, are doing that. But I think if you want to really know, you want to look at the hospital systems to get that kind of information. Hospital systems. And so yeah. that's how they're able to track it is because yes. that particular, yeah. okay. Okay. That makes sense. Go and, on. And, and just understand the variance. And, and so people understand a virus's job is to live and survive. So anytime you have like the vaccines and things, I mean, there are genetic mutations that create that variant, those different variants, but the virus is also trying to survive. So it mutates itself because it's trying to duck and dodge, you know, whatever you're trying to do to kill it. So uh, that's another thing that where these variants come out of. So that's why I try to tell people if, and, and I really do in my heart of hearts believe that if everybody got vaccinated when we were supposed to have, when this thing first came out, I do believe we would be in a better place than where we are now. Now, is that to say that we're in a bad place? I mean, here, numbers have been reasonably controlled, but I think it's Maryland or one of those other states, they just had to bring their mask mandate back because they saw a 50% rise in cases in the last couple of weeks. You know, and a lot of people are just blowing this stuff off like it's no big deal. But the thing is, I mean, granted, Omicron kind of whizzed through and it hit people hard, fast, and, and they a lot and many people got over it. But the problem is a lot of these same people are still having some of these long-term effects. So you have to be careful in how you interpret this information. Yes, the cases are lower. Yes, we don't see the number of hospitalizations and deaths that we once saw because there are a lot of people who've been vaccinated. But can it still take you out? Yes. I had three people die in the last two weeks of COVID-19, none of which have been vaccinated, all three unvaccinated individuals. And it's just, it breaks your heart when you see that because you're trying to help people and they're instead of giving you a bunch of nonsense why they don't want to take it, give me all the government conspiracy theory stuff that I'm like, listen, if those people got that kind of time to come up with all these conspiracy theories just to kill you, then we're in a bad way. I say, because I know I work every day. I don't have time to come up with a conspiracy theory to hurt somebody else. So I really think we're taking this stuff to an extreme we don't need to do. I want to ask this question. Uh, a lot of folks say, you know, in the vein of conspiracy theory, and I'm not going to go all the way there, <laughs> but a lot of folks say, you know, this is, this is a flu. This is another variant of the flu. This is just a flu. Um, based on what you've seen, what are some of the things that really distinguish COVID from the flu in terms of the way in which the virus mutates? I mean, if the flu is still a thing that's real, a thing that's killing people, pneumonia is still yes, killing sir. folks. But what are some of the distinct differences that people need to bear in mind as it relates to COVID? The level of infectiousness, you know, the this thing takes infection to a whole new level. A because it's so inflammatory, and that's why you see all these organ systems become affected. Yes, the flu can kill you, but how often? Very rare unless you have somebody that's really, really, really sick, you know, older individuals with a bunch of medical issues. This is different because it's, it's a respiratory illness like the flu, but it, it can, inf it, that inflammatory response is so robust with this. And that's why you're seeing these long effects because that inflammation doesn't necessarily go away in everybody. Now, the problem is you don't know who is going to get that massive inflammatory response. 
you just don't know. I don't care if you are a marathon runner, you could take all the vitamins you want to take. That does not mean that you don't have the potential to get this infection and die from it. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it doesn't, because what's what dictates death is your body's ability to create an immune response to something it's never seen before. And that's the thing I'm trying to tell people. I, I, I love people who take care of themselves. I mean, I love it. I'm glad to see it. But it doesn't negate if you've never had COVID before, which some people have and some haven't. But if you never had COVID before, your body has never seen this, this virus to start to build an immune response. It's almost like, look at it like this. If you have, uh, uh, you're going to fight a, a war and say that the, the opposing uh, army has, say, 10,000 soldiers and you're a soldier of one and you have your people who are not trained or ready to help you fight these people because they've been chilling for the last year and you know, they've been eating all their hostess ho-hos and, and Twinkies and they don't gain about 50 pounds. So they're sitting in there chilling, sleeping. You know, and then when this army comes and you say, boys, I need you to help me, they're not prepared to do that. They have not been trained to be ready. The vaccine is like that trainer. It's like somebody getting Mike Tyson ready for a fight. You're not going to go in and fight Mike Tyson. Gotcha. Oh, I don't care that he's in his 50s now. I still ain't going to fight that brother. No, I'm good. That. So, you know, I mean, so if you're not prepared for that fight, you're not prepared. You know, the only way you can get prepared is to either exposure to the to the virus or the vaccine. And you don't want to take the risk for just exposure to the virus if you can help it. But mm -hmm. even yeah. if you get even if you've had that exposure, the problem is over time, that's like going back in eating them Twinkies after a while. You your um, your body gets that immune response starts to die because you're not fighting the bowels anymore. So yeah. it. Everybody's gone back into the corner, eating the stuff they want to gain weight again. And it's not helping you be prepared. The vaccine and the boosters are like you get, you're staying in training. Your body's staying in training to get ready for that big fight. That's the difference. And that's what I'm trying to get people to understand. To understand. And it makes a lot of sense. And I think this might be my, my last question for you, Dr. Newby. And it's really around something that you mentioned, inflammatory response. One of the things I've been hearing from, you know, a lot of the overnight physicians that COVID has helped to develop is that <laughs> COVID likes to attach itself to an existing weakness in the body, right? And that's why, or theoretically, that's why folks have said that they have developed, I mean, it's not just the respiratory piece, they, they may develop a UTI or some kind of bladder infection or some, uh, some infection somewhere else where maybe there was an existing, have you heard this? Does it make any well, sense at all? Yeah, Is well, look at, looking look for at. some way to proliferate in the body? Is it? Well, that's the virus's job. His job is to live and right. you know, there to take over you as a host. So I would say, look at it like this. It's not so much that it sticks to weak areas, but it, you know, anytime you're infected, your immune system drops because it's trying to build up the fight what it has to fight. So it's, it's, it's not paying attention to anything else that's going on in your body. So if you have a situation where you're, um, say you're exposed to a bacteria, well, you know, if your body is steadily trying to fight COVID, 
that bacteria is kind of sneaking in there and it's not, you know, the immune system wasn't prepared to have to fight. That too is almost, he's struggling trying to fight this virus. So then the bacteria can multiply and grow. Okay. So you're saying that COVID may create an additional vulnerability and yeah, maybe well, that's yeah. why people will experience another kind of infection alongside COVID? Yeah, it's kind of like that inflammatory response is damaging stuff. Got so it. you so you you're getting damage from the COVID itself, which if, if say like a person has heart disease, mm-hmm. and then they get a COVID infection. Well, that inflammatory response is going to potentially damage the heart, or when it's already damaged from whatever the issues were, be it coronary yeah. disease or heart failure, whatever. So it's already under duress. Say a person has COPD, a chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, where the lungs are already damaged. Here comes COVID. It's going to make it worse. But in addition to that, when the body is trying to fight that infection from COVID, it's going to, it's like the immune system gets suppressed first, and then it starts to try to rise up to fight that COVID infection. While it's spending time trying to fight COVID, any other infections that you may be exposed to, be it bacteria or some other virus or whatever, can potentially manifest itself because while your immune system is steadily trying to beat up COVID, is forgetting about the other infections is going yeah. on in the body because it, it does it can't fight for so much at one time. So yeah. it's saying because COVID is immediate threat, it's hitting that up while other things can potentially manifest itself. And then the other infection could potentially take you away from here. So it's almost yeah. a sneak attack. Yeah, it is definitely interesting. I, I, I do have one friend who um, had to have a double lung replacement um as a function of, of COVID. that's that is so fortunate that they were able to get that because that's not easy to get lung transplants yeah. are not like kidney transplants and even kidney transplants could be difficult to get but lung is like 10 times tougher to get so that person was very fortunate and blessed to be able to get that lung transplant yeah it's i mean it's it's just sad you know I mean, and it really is that's why i kind of beat people up about when we go toe-to-toe on this vaccine i'm not sure why we always want to look at vaccines as public enemy number one you know especially once well, our- there are some reasons there are some reasons and there's some valid reasons i mean no valid reasons i mean you, I, you yeah, we I, have to we i'm can not an anti-vaxxer i'm not an anti-vaxxer i am fully vaccinated yeah but I do understand the trepidation, you know, this thing. Ain't no trepidation. That's no? Let me no tell trepidation. you if people, if people are willing to take a blood pressure pill, what's the difference? A medicine, medicine, you don't know where that pill was made or where it came from or what it's designed to do other than it's supposed to lower your blood pressure. Vaccine is designed to keep you from getting infected. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that you know where any of this stuff came from. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, some that's, that's stuff, a valid argument. I mean, it's a valid argument. Well, this is the thing, though. To a large degree, you will have to trust your healthcare professionals. I'm not saying trust the government. I don't give a crap about the government. The government is not my problem. You know, what's my problem is my people dying. That's my problem. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't worry about the government didn't create the vaccine. All the government did was buy it from Pfizer, Moderna and Johnson and Johnson. Right. So, you know, yeah, so people are trying to take credit for they nobody can take credit for this other than the scientists that created the vaccine. 
Mm-hmm. The thing that I try to tell people, and I, but I understand their points, and I do understand the history. The history Don't misunderstand it. It's there. Yes, yeah, but this is the thing. I have never been to a vaccine center, and and I saw a sign that said, "Black people go over here, white people go over here." We gonna give you, we gonna get a black folks one vaccine, we get the white folks a different vaccine. That ain't happening. Everybody's in there getting the exact same vaccine. So if that's the case. You have to ask yourself, if it's a conspiracy theory against the brothers and the sisters, then they should have two separate places you go to so they can give you a different vaccine than what other people are getting. That's not happening here. White yeah. folks were running, getting that vaccine just as fast as the brothers were. Uh, you know, these some of them, you know, so yeah. you have to look at brass taxes. Does this make sense that we are saying like the um, like uh, Tuskegee? When you talk, they were they were targeting African Americans men with yeah. syphilis. Very different. And they were giving mm-hmm. them antibiotics and were not. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that piece I get, totally get that piece. This is different. You know, you can't take that. Now you could take the aspect of mistrust. I'm not negating that at all. But the bottom line is, COVID nineteen is killing people. I mean, literally, I've had 80 plus patients of, of, that have died of COVID in the last two years in my practice alone, 80 plus. You know, and that's all I know about. That's not including the ones I don't know about that died of COVID. Right. So when you get that number of people that were dying from COVID, I, listen, I was like, wherever that vaccine is, give it to me now. I, I had no trepidation about taking that, none, because I was seeing deaths too many times. I had a first, two first cousins, husband and wife died two days apart from each other before the vaccine was made available. You know, I mean, back to back deaths that, that, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I was like, listen, I take my chances with the vaccine, you know, because that was enough for me seeing my own family die of COVID-19. I need to see anything else. You know, then you're seeing your other patients that died from it people like not wearing masks out there just doing whatever and just giving it to their family. And then the family was going on dying from it. You know, I mean, I remember my first death I had was an 80 year old patient who was uh, had gotten exposed because they, right when uh, governor Northam said, you know, no gatherings. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like in April, I think of, of 2020, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And he said, no gathering. I remember all that now, but yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it was March, March or April. No gatherings. What did this family do? Had a gathering. Birthday party for, for 80-year-old grandma. Mm. I think they had 80 people there. So grandma gets sick a week later. And you know, and we and that was when we were still trying to learn about. I mean, we didn't know that much about COVID at that time. So I mean, we're treating her with antibiotics, thinking that it's a regular bacterial pneumonia, and she wasn't getting better. Finally, after a week when she was steadily declining, here come the family. Oh, by the way. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. <laughs> hey, no issue. So, by, you know, so anyway, finish that story. So the family comes in and says, oh, by the way, we had a party for grandma. <laughs> okay. So you were telling the story of. Yeah. So just to finish up quickly. So. So uh, uh, elderly patient, 80 plus, came to the hospital, um, patient of mine for years, developed COVID. We didn't know it was COVID at the time because that was still early in the process of us trying to identify 
COVID infections. We thought it was a regular pneumonia, treating her antibiotics, steadily declining. Finally, we thought, so let's go ahead and test her because we couldn't figure out what the heck was going on with her. Found out she was COVID positive, got transferred to the ICU. Then here comes family telling us, oh, by the way, yeah, we forgot to tell you, birthday party for grandma two weeks ago because by the time she was in the hospital for over a week. And four of the family members tested positive. So I'm like, well, firstly, why y'all having a birthday party with that many people? Didn't you just hear the governor's mandate, no parties? Well, grandma was turning 80 and needless to say, grandma died two days later. So happy birthday to grandma, you know, because they had to have a party with no, no mask, no nothing. And that's and then my point of that horror story is that's that t- cautionary tale, you know, that you don't take this stuff for granted. COVID is no joke. And I've seen it just devastate lives. And I don't want to see it devastate any more lives. Yeah. Changing lanes, I guess, switching gears a bit. Um, I recently sat in on a conversation, um, a presentation really by Dr. Cynthia Romero. Uh-huh. Uh, she's, she's, she's got to be somebody you talk to yeah. pretty frequently as it relates to COVID. She presented some data around the impact of COVID in the Black community in Norfolk compared to the rest of the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. That was just mind boggling. We're talking about not just the rate of infection, but the rate of death, the rate of hospitalization, et cetera. And of course, you know, they did and continue to continue to do work to try to kind of be more present in the community and really um, bridge the very evident gap there. Uh, but what do you make of data that really singles out Norfolk in that way to suggest that two and three and four times, you know, the, the death rate, just take that one statistic alone, you know, what's going on in this, in this area? Well, you think about the um, economic status in uh, Norfolk compared to, to, say, Chesapeake or Virginia Beach where you have, um, you know, um, housing that encompasses groups of families staying close together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be your bigger issue. Then you have the types of jobs that people work here in Norfolk, food industry, hospitality, you know, um, anything that involves a lot of interfacing with the public, you know, bus drivers, whatever. You know, you have a lot of that. So your, your exposure rates are going to be higher just on that right alone. Then you have the vaccine hesitant group, which also kicks in on top of the close knit corners. And if you look at why people get infected, especially disproportionate in the African-American community, characteristically, there are tales that let you know what those components are. And characteristically, it's going to be close-knit living conditions, um, you know, less vaccination, uh, increased work, um, I guess the jobs or the economic opportunities are more in alliance of those interface with the community, which means your risk is going to be higher. Then you got people wear the mask down here. I don't know what they think that's doing. So if it's beneath your nose, you're not covering anything because you're breathing through your nose. That means you're exposed to whatever is in the air. 
so you have this combined mix of it's almost like a perfect storm uh, to develop those infections. So hearing those numbers didn't shock me. I mean, that didn't yeah. shock me. It made sense, right? It, yeah, it really, total sense. Total it sense. validated what we knew to be true, which is that. True anyway. Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess I'll conclude with this question. I know I said I would conclude before, but. That's okay. Um, recommendations, right? Obviously get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Yes. What else are you recommending? And I'm asking this question, um, you're on your boots on the ground. You know, your perspective is you mentioned you see 30, 40, 50 patients on a daily basis and so forth. I'm curious to know what are, what are people like right now that are dealing with COVID, right? And, and what are you, what do you recommend? Well, the key first thing is you have to take care of yourself. You know, you have to live in a realistic world of, of your shortfalls. And when I say that, you know, is is when you when I have a patient that's 100 pounds overweight telling me they don't hardly eat anything, I'm like, listen, you know, you can't live in this fantasy world you're living in. You can't get 100 pounds overweight by starving yourself. You can't. You know, I don't care. You can say it's a gland problem. You can say this. You can say that. That ain't got nothing to do with anything. You're eating too much. Eating too much of the wrong thing. So, and you're not exercising any at all. You know, I got people with all, the, the most exercise they do is pushing a remote control button. You know, you can't, you know, I mean, I said earlier that you can, that being a avid runner or somebody who exercises on a regular basis, you can still catch COVID. That is definitely true. But if you are in, at your best health, your likelihood of catching something and it taking you away from here is going to be markedly less if you take good care of yourself. If you look at who dies of COVID, who gets sick in the African-American community, it's going to be the people who are obese, people who with, with chronic medical conditions, hypertension, diabetes, you know, high cholesterol, cancer patients, uh, you know, people, you know, you know, people that have you know, severe arthritis problems where their mobility is limited. All of these types of processes impact that can take somebody and put them in a bad place. So you want to first say, okay, let's identify what my issues are and how do I attack those issues in a way that's going to be beneficial to me long-term. That by itself, you'd be surprised how much that can impact I tell people, you don't have to go in, in, on a treadmill for 30 hours. Get out and walk, but walk with a purpose, you know, and, and that you could get just as much out of that as you can if you were to go and run on a treadmill, do Stairmaster, all this other stuff. You know, if you don't have access to it, that's fine. You could go out here and walk for free. You know, you don't need to belong to a gym, but you got to get out there and walk and you got to walk with a purpose, not walk like a half a mile an hour. You know, you have to get out and say, I'm going to get my physical activity in. You get If you have a step counter, get some friends to go out with you. You know, it's people, I mean, sometimes just having two or three people to help you motivate you to go out, you know, you help them, they help you, you know, get your families. You know, I mean, to me, the best way to do it is do it within the family, you know, because that's going to help. Like if somebody's falling, but, you know, kind of off the wagon, somebody pulls them back up. You know, you really, that's to me is where I see the best bang for the buck. Eating right, get rid of all the fast food and all the convenience stuff, you know, get a nice healthy diet, 
um, you know, get out and walk more. And you would be surprised how much that can do for you just doing that alone. So I tell people, get vaccinated, but take care of yourself. If you're diabetic, don't let your hemoglobin A1C be ridiculously high, you know, where it's not controlled. Get it under control. Do whatever it takes to get it under control. If you have sleep apnea, you use your dog on CPAP machine. I'm fighting with people all the time about that as well. You know, and they'll say, oh, my machine broke. I did, get it fixed. What do you mean you broke? I mean, so it's almost like it's just we use excuses to be unhealthy and then we die. And I don't want to see that anymore. I'm tired of seeing my people die early. You know, yeah. I don't even see them die late. You know, you want to keep everybody around as long as humanly possible. Yeah, but I know there's got to be some comorbidity in there with the mental health crisis, too, that you have to, I'm certain you're seeing it. Um, Of course, you know, and I don't know how to help people with that. That's a tough one because the the resources are just not available like you'd like to see them. Now, there are crisis hotlines and things out here, but, you know, to have like a steady program is tough because a lot of the health, mental health workers, they're overworked right now. You know, because everybody needs assistance, you know, at this time. And rightly so, this is a tough time, you know. And I mean, I I pick with folks a lot and I get up here to talk junk. But the bottom line is, you know, my my empathetic heart, because I am who I am and because I care about people so much, I do beat folks up because I want to see them live. So anything that I can do to help, I'm going to always do. Yeah. Dr. Newby, this has been great. I definitely appreciate just the pillar you are in this community, the the work that you do every day and your willingness to share outside of that work. You know, you're always on platforms like this, developing platforms, really talking to the people. Because a lot of times they need to they need to hear it outside of being in your office. Right. Um, And so just thank thank you for that. Well, I try my best to do this. You know, I think having part of the problem has been the naysayers have had the mic for a while. Oh, yeah, they still got it. Yeah, they still got it. But I'm, I want to be louder than them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the more people that get out and talk on the positives about why we should do things, the, the more apt I am, you know, to, to get the point across. And people who know me know I have no vested interest. You know, I don't get paid to do this kind of stuff with you or anybody else. And I don't want to. I'm here to try to help the community. And that's my motivation. Plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We appreciate it. Anytime. Listen, good talking to you as always. Family, I hope is doing well. 